it's a dreadful waste of everyone's time and energy. Although, I'm trying to be more optimistic and positive about it, and there have definitely been things to enjoy about this international break. But before we get to things to enjoy about the footballing international break, you had a bit of an international break of your own. And when we left the listeners, I, I was intimating that maybe you would pop round to the De Silva's house for tea in Rio de Janeiro, and turned out that that was not a million, million miles away from what happened. Bumped into one of the twins on the plane, Ed. Yeah, random, random, very random. Couple of seats over. Yeah, had a chat to Fabio. I, I was very clever at working it out. I uh, asked what he was doing, and he said he was injured. I was like, ha ha. Ching got the answer, knew who he was, and then I started chatting to him about QPR and his injury and all that kind of stuff. You know, any anything to report to the listeners? No, not really. His English isn't very good. It's surprisingly deep for a small man, and he's quite cute, really. Ah, you say it's surprisingly deep for a small man. You mean his voice? Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. So he's he sort of like, hey, I'm Fabio da Silva. How you doing? That kind of thing yeah. in broken English. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, I'm Fabio da Silva. How are you doing? Uncanny. That's my new character. That I'm gonna. Is he? Bust he is out. new Bond villain, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. I am Fabio da Silva. No, da Silva. Fabio da Silva. I got it all wrong. Anyway, forget all that. That is merely precursor. That is uh, the appetizer to the main course. That is the trailer to the movies. That is the advert break before kickoff to the kickoff itself. Pales in comparison to what happened to you in a Rio de Janeiro jazz nightclub. Set the scene for us, Ed. Well, here I am in Rio, enjoying the wonders of a a beautiful city. Water, mountains, Copacabana, Ipanema. Stunning all around. And one of my colleagues decides he wants to go to a bossa nova club. I I have to say, can't stand the music myself. But, you know, hey, might as well tag along and do the thing they do in Ipanema. And and there we are, and uh, get into this crammed old-fashioned nightclub, sitting in the the corner, and with a, a, you know, a stack of caperinhas in front of us. And and who should be on the table next to us but uh, Eric? himself and this was only a couple of hours after i was tweeting because i went up to the the big jesus uh, the christ the redeemer on top of the hill uh, looking over rio and uh, i was tweeting that he didn't look anything like eric I, I was a bit confused and there he was in person there you go random very very random mind you i, I uh, sent you a text message about this one and uh, you wrote back going that's exactly the kind of place you'd expect eric to be in so uh, i suppose he was rio de janeiro jazz nightclub in the top one percent of places i'd expect to bump into eric Cantona. so you exchanged a couple of words with a great man had, had a chat shook hands talked about what he was doing in Rio He's, he was doing some filming uh, he was with about 10 French crew and they were filming in Rio there you go fantastic so that's it now that's it you, you've met Brian Robson and Eric Cantona so all you have to do is look directly into the eyes of Roy Keane and survive and you'll pass the three tests of Manchester United fandom oof that's the big one <laughs> it's the big one it's the big one coming up last as I guess talking to the big one we should talk about football that Newcastle United game Midfield diamonds, no wingers. The answer to how we get to play all our players, you did say it might mean sacrificing a wide player if we didn't sacrifice a forward. And when when you saw the lineup, I mean, I, I was expecting someone to play on one of the wings and Welbeck to play out left, but no, Welbeck basically playing centre forward with Van Persie, Rooney at the tip of the diamond, Carrick deepest, Kagawa on the right and cleverly on the left of the diamond, but very flexible and fluid formation. And thanks to some totally, completely standard, typical Manchester United goals directly from corners. It was a walk in the St. James's Park. 
Yeah, well, United have just become Stoke, haven't they? Scoring from all these free kicks and corners and set pieces and all that kind of stuff. It's ridiculous. What next would be banging them long? <laughs> Can you not knock it? Well, they did knock it into the back of the net. Johnny Evans with a lovely one. And then Patrice, totally determined uh, to... to. Well, he's got some competition now, hasn't he? You know, that's, that's one each in goals from left-backs this season. I, I mean, I do think it's quite interesting, actually, that, that he did score rather than hit the post which is what he normally does so it was was interesting that that happened and then Tom Cleverley wrapped it up with a with a a fine goal after 71 minutes fine goal which which some pundits were trying to call uh, luck and uh, in fact I think Alan Pardew said it was uh, luck and he was trying to cross it ridiculous it was a very fine goal from Cleverley (laughs) He, he needs to do that kind of thing more he never meant it, though, surely. He's, he claims he does. They <laughs> brand Clevs. They put out press release, brand Clevs did, then demanded an extra zero on his wage packet. Robin Van Persie kind of running in, just looking at it like, oh, that's a mishit cross I'm never going to get up on the end of. Oh, it's gone in the back of the net. Hooray. So, yeah, United won 3-0 and Van Persie didn't even score once. Uh, One-man team. It's brand Clevs. Um, actually, in fairness to Brand Clevs, who will get the relentless Mickey taking out of him because of the Brand Clevness of it all, uh, he had a really, truly excellent game. Um, United were completely and utterly dominant in the period when they scored the two goals early in the match. Um, could could have had uh, uh, more at that time. And in fact, at one point, I wondered whether we might not regret having only scored two, if that doesn't sound too ridiculous, because Newcastle did sort of exert some pressure. And I think very much the, the fact that it, we won 3-0 has made this look like a complete tactical triumph from Fergie whereas actually the story could have been quite different although if you compare it to when he played a straight 4-4-2 with in the bleak midwinter last year when we lost 3-0 th- this tactical formation looked a lot better right and following on from Cluj where it, it just about works as well it's five goals and none in with with the formation it, it's an odd one though I'm not sure I can see it long term I, I suppose it's expedient right now because Valencia is not fit Nani's form is dreadful and he's got to try and cram enough players into the team. Ashley Young obviously not fit until after the international break, and, and that made a lot of sense, I suppose. But uh, I, I don't know whether it's going to provide the the right balance for United long term. It's when you play that narrow, uh, you really do have to have a lot of attacking options, and you have to understand how to break down teams. And and I, I suppose playing cleverly and Kagawa and Rooney, very uh, you said flexible, or very flexible players. I suppose that would allow that to happen. But you know, traditionally, you'd think you could defend against that uh, maybe so but they're a pretty solid side Newcastle and they didn't do a particularly good job of defending against so I guess you know they, they would say okay well poor defense poor defending from a couple of set pieces which in their defense they probably didn't have to think too hard about they probably weren't thinking too hard before the game about United's threat from the corner and then one kind of fluked wonder goal from T-Clevs so you know maybe Newcastle actually did defend quite well against it but I I don't know I I think United United were very dominant in that game and it it was never really in doubt it was lovely in fact to see that early pressure tell in goals because we've had those periods so often in games and then sort of faded away midway through the first half while the other team sort of dealt with our initial attacking momentum or or even sometimes it's it's faded away much quicker than that you know we've had really good five minutes of 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 halves and then and then been poor for long periods uh, but 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 you know we, we were pretty much bossing that from start to finish with a, with a few exceptions hopefully united will be able to take that momentum into into the games coming up i mean we spoke in the last podcast about having to build that momentum up to christmas i think you predicted the defeat at st james's park actually if i certainly if did I remember correctly and then said united would go on a run after that so maybe, maybe they just started one game early and, and it's kind of important because had united lost to newcastle then there would have been that seven point gap to the top you know, 
yeah. you know, United do need to keep in touch with. I've got another international break, and then I think there's uh, it's all football until real football, that is, until the spring, you know, which will be good because there'll be some momentum. But with the Champions League, it'll be back to back games you know, right throughout the winter. But that's the, that's the, that's the period that United are, are, are normally pretty good. Two defeats in the league already, so there's you know less margin for error, I suppose, and, and a very important victory at St James's. Which we can actually call St James's Park now again, of course, which you never stopped calling it. That. <laughs> yeah, and sadly we can call it that because one of the least attractive companies in the world is sponsoring them. Uh, they're not called it the Wonga Arena, but they they may well have done. It's really interesting looking at the stats of, from that game. It was fifty four percent possession, which sounds about right. You know, we were our pass completion was pretty good, so was theirs, but we attempted an awful lot more passes, as is our sort of current contemporary style. But one of the things that's noticeable is our defensive statistics. There's just a lot of tackles in that game. 29 of 32 attempted tackles successful from United players, which does seem to be pretty high uh, for some of our recent form. There does seem to be a bit of steel injecting itself into the squad, which I'm not sure people necessarily thought was there. Well, that's one game, and, and the defending was so shambolic in, in games previous to that, it's uh, it's hard to say that's a pattern just yet, isn't it? So, I, I mean, the diamond, of course, would will help defensively. It, it gives an awful lot of solidity in that middle of the park, which I've talked about before before has been a real problem because it's been so open it's exposed the back four and United have had obviously Rio Fernandes lost a bit of pace and when Vidic was in there he wasn't quite with it was he and so providing a little bit more protection in front of the back four will help United and clearly it has done last, those last two games yeah absolutely you know there, there was the Wigan game as well where there was lots of you know exciting kicking of the ball and slight kicking of the opposition player you know there was a passage of play with lots of tackles in it in that game as well so maybe it's a thing now but yeah as you say way too early to call it a pattern so coming out of that game there are reports that Tom cleverly uh, might be offered a new £80,000 contract I mean it, it was actually a journalist in the mirror who's not normally known for his uh, rampant speculation so there, there's some credibility there I mean you know some we'll give it that it might, it might just be his PR people just putting it out there to see what happens he, he's only just signed a new contract you know like a year and a bit ago so it seems a bit premature really to be bumping him up again after something like 21 games in the United first team yeah, it's too early for 80 grand a week, isn't it? But it's definitely coming for him, barring injury, you know, which is obviously a big a big if. Barring injury, he's going to be on that sort of money in, in not that long because he's the real deal, you know. He, he just is a stunningly talented player as far as I'm concerned. He, he is, yeah. I mean, it's taken him a few years to get there. I mean, he's 23 now, right? It's it's not like he's a kid, so he hasn't really achieved very much in his footballing life yet, you know, a few loan spells and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. So he just needs to, he needs to stay fit. I think you're right. I think he's the real deal. I think the kind of brand stuff feels like it's a bit premature, but that's the modern way, isn't it? And and uh, I hope his football comes first. The funny thing was, he went on a bit of a rant about this one and said that uh, a lot of his stuff he does for charity and people misunderstood it. But mm, it, when he tweets five times in a row about a commercial partner, then, you know, you kind of think he's got to get the balance right there. Yeah, I do think people give him quite a lot of stick because he hired a brand consultant when he was injured last year as well, you know, and it it was kind of bad PR to make that quite so public. It's not like I see loads of, like, hashtag TC23 from him, you know? There's there's not so much of that goes on. No, a a little bit, but it's, you know, it's healthy dose of Mickey taking might keep his feet on the ground. Yeah, probably, probably can't hurt, can it? And he's established himself in the England side. He's, uh, He's regular now for Hodgson. I mean, you know, perhaps in 
some games that you wouldn't have expected. I, I was uh, somewhat surprised he started against Poland, but there, you know, there you go. I mean, Hodgson obviously likes him as a player. Played him an awful lot in that kind of number ten like, loose role, which I'm um, yeah, still still to be convinced about that being his best role. But the United he's generally played in that that two, uh, slightly off the centre against Newcastle, as you said, and and he's going to be a huge asset to United this season if he stays fit. And uh, record-breaking regular in the England side, more touches than any England player has ever had in a competitive international. I mean, okay, against San Marino, but still England have played San Marino lots of times before, so it's uh, still of some significance. That Very good stat. Uh, there was an article, a very interesting article in the Daily Telegraph about why Hodgson should be thanking Rene Mullenstein, as we, we all know that, of course, as United fans, uh, for the development technically of Danny Welbeck and Tom Cleverley singling them out as a different sort of England player, uh, which is just wonderful. I mean, it's, it's brilliant that, that you know, I, I, I'm, trying, I'm trying to rediscover my love for international football and it's not easy, but stuff like that does help, as does stuff like Sweden coming back from... 4-0 down against Germany in Germany. Wow, what a result that was. That was incredible. Yeah. It's got to be the most ridiculous result I can remember. Sweden having played, I think it was Iceland, a couple of days before and, and uh, the opposition players coming off the pitch complaining about Zlatan, saying that he's the most arrogant player ever. He'd, he'd spent the entire game boasting about how much money he earned and how wonderfully he was doing in France. <laughs> he only scored the one, didn't he, uh, for Sweden against Germany. What a stunning result that was. And, and I think that would that do some weird things to German football I think that kind of result because you know that's such a young vibrant German side and they've become more and more attacking and more open over the last three years and I wonder whether that might set them back a little bit how do you not shore it up at 4-0 though you know when the other team gets back to 4-2 just start defending it's it's like it's so antithetical to everything we think of as the German national footballing characteristic I think we know as United fans that weird things can happen when you're 4-2 up yeah absolutely but like we were never 4-0 up and and just, I, I, I ended up watching about five minutes of that game and turning it off uh, just before Sweden scored the equaliser because I'm an idiot. Because I was like, ah, they're never going to do this. I can't I can't bear to watch this one peter out to an anti-climax after all that. But no, no, it was uh, wonderful, wonderful scenes for Sweden. And uh, it, it is moments like that where you think international football means different things in different countries. And I do think that a lot of the distaste for international football in the public discourse in England is actually legitimately not distaste about international football it's just distaste about our national team yeah I, I think you're right I mean I'm quite negative about international football but come tournament time I absolutely love the football and I think the, the, it's a bit different when it's it's the qualifiers obviously there's you know, so many spread across the, the the week and you know all those double headers on the Friday and Tuesday or some on the Wednesday and it's not quite the same atmosphere and there's more focus on England and, and it's all a bit distasteful I find it very difficult to support England and the players that are in there or the players that are associated with it I mean I I suppose at least JT is not there anymore. Well, I was going to say, it is the character of the national side is changing. And United players are at the heart of that. Tweeted during the San Marino match, I'm quite enjoying this. It's just basically United players passing it to each other. Because, you know, Rooney, Carrick, Cleverly, Welbeck are pretty much going to watch any team that, that those guys are turning out for. Because they're, you know, they're such entertaining players and they play the game in such a technically adroit and interesting way. And basically, I didn't see the game against Poland. I, I hear it was terrible. Um, but I was very sad to see that Welbeck wasn't picked in the starting lineup. You wrote a really interesting piece 
speaks on Welbeck in the week, looking at his development and whether actually the national team will be really instrumental in that, given the limits on his opportunities to play uh, with Van Persie in the squad. It was disappointing, I think, actually, because I think he's done so well, and it's not as if Defoe's a long-term option. He's in his 30s now, and he's done okay over his career, but no more than okay, and you, you kind of think that Welbeck's going to be the better player. Uh, I think Welbeck's done uh, had some fantastic development. Uh, he's got a problem, though, because he's not going to be able to get himself into the United side, not when Van Persie's scoring at nearly a goal a game, uh, and Rooney is, when he's fit, uh, undroppable, basically, uh, and so Welbeck's got a, a real challenge. He's going to be put, playing in some of the lesser games. He might not be playing in the top Champions League games, but he'll, he'll get his fair share of games this season, but uh, the, the international side might offer him uh, a real route to big, important games in, in the months ahead with England trying to qualify for the, the World Cup in Brazil. Look, he's 21, so plenty to come from him, and you know, I, I guess there's there's no desperate need to rush him into the, the United Reckoning, but he wouldn't want it to be this way for too long. No, absolutely, and actually the diamond, of course, is a way of accommodating Welbeck. That's one of its its strengths, is that he, he's very effective in that, because he can you know add some width when necessary in that kind of David Villa cutting in from the left sort of role, or obviously a very different sort of player, um, and then convert to out-and-out striker. And, you know, excellent finish uh, for... The, particularly the backhill goal against San Marino and fantastic to see him getting on the score sheet twice even though against San Marino it's just nice to see him get in the habit of sticking the ball in the back of the net because his finishing is still definitely a problem you know right yeah yeah and it is it is the goals the, the sort of ratio of 1-3-ish is, is not really very good is it for a striker of a you know potentially very high class so he, he just has to do better than that he's just that's it you know if he if he starts scoring at more than 1-2 and two, he'll force his way into the United side somehow yeah and my feeling is that it's going to happen. That's my my kind of ill-informed gut instinct about Welbeck is that he's going to be an absolute superstar of the world game. You know, that's that's how I feel about it. But, you know, it's, it's early days yet and could well be wrong. Talking of people who may or may not qualify as absolute bona fide superstars of the world game, what is going on with Nani? It's bizarre. I, I, he seems to not be wanted at the club. He doesn't want to be at the club. He's not trusted by the manager. He's not performing very well. There definitely seems to be a parting of the ways coming. More stories in the papers, but you know, almost by the week, about uh, you know, potential bids for him. Obviously, there was the one about Zenit earlier this season. Story about potentially Milan putting in a bid and all of that kind of stuff. I mean, maybe these clubs are chancing their arm. The thing with Nani is he's never found that consistent but he still does generally put up the numbers now if he's not doing the numbers either then then there's not much of a place in the side for him and Ferguson's not it obviously doesn't trust him to perform as he needs to you know with the same kind of consistency as his other players so if he's not getting the goals and not getting the assists either that's a real problem yeah I wonder how many assists he's got this season though because he's definitely got a few already you know he's, he's not exactly without assists the sheer level of frustration around Nani with the fact that when you need him to do it is not necessarily the time that he'll do it you know it, it just erases so many of the good memories all the time because every game where he does something wonderful he's also done three terrible things and he might do something terrible when you really just exactly at the wrong moment and that's why people yeah. call him inconsistent but as you say he just seems completely out of favour and, and it has happened before with him though which I think is really quite interesting you know there have been periods of time where Fergie's dropped him for pretty extensive periods of time and you thought okay this is it for Nani in the club but you think now he's getting to that age where he's just not going to tolerate it I mean talk about brands it's very bad for his brand where where he could mm. go into a smaller side and be the absolute big man on campus because he's such a gifted player 
I'm sure he'll get a if he, if he does go. I'm sure he'll get a move to a pretty big club. Actually, I mean because because of the fact that he puts up those numbers. I mean, uh, one goal and one assist in five games in the, the Premier League this season. And not maybe you know wonderful, but if he if he uh, performed that way over the course of the season, he'd, he'd put up some pretty healthy numbers. I think you know. Look, we'll see. You're right. Ferguson's dropped in for lengthy periods before, and and he's come back into the side. It, it, there seems to be something different now because he doesn't seem to want it. You know, he just, and. I'm not basing that on any factual thing. It's just an observation about him. So uh, we'll see. Of course, um, Portugal and Northern Ireland drew one all. Northern Ireland almost pulled off a famous victory in Portugal, only only for the home side to to score to save Ronaldo's uh, party. It was his Ronaldo's hundredth cap against Northern Ireland. Not his hundredth cap against Northern Ireland. That'd be ridiculous. Hundredth cap, comma against Northern Ireland. Unbelievable scenes as Johnny Evans showed Ronnie how it's done. Johnny, Pele, Messi, Evans, uh, Lionel Evans, Johnny Messi, the the man himself. Amazing. And and Portugal's national side continues to be a complete bizarre mystery to me. They were absolutely brilliant for two games of Euro 2012, weren't they? Um, And... They were the exact two games that Ronnie was brilliant in too, so there's definitely something up with Ronnie and and the national team. Uh, Yeah, so how did the United players do overall during the international break? Lots of goals from United players. Uh, Johnny Evans, Rooney with uh, two against San Marino and one against Poland. Welbeck with two against San Marino. Uh, I didn't really spot activity from United players elsewhere around the world. Van Persie scored in Holland's win, and Joshua King scored his first goal for for Norway. He can't get a game, can't get anywhere near the first team at the moment at United, but he's uh, he's banging them in for Norway now, and that's uh, I think that's three caps already this autumn. Chicharito scored for Mexico, came off the bench and scored. He's he's kind of fallen out of favour with the national team, and he, he had been their hero, and and now he's a, a zero, but he managed to score, so um, obviously not getting much game time at United at the moment. Boy Valencia went away with Ecuador and battered Luis Suarez's Uruguay which we always like to see we certainly like to see of course the really good thing coming out of the international break is that there should be quite a few players back afterwards it, it seems like Chris Smalling's almost ready to return Phil Jones not too far away Ashley Young definitely fit available for Stoke uh, Valencia should be available too so it's uh, it, much much healthier picture on the injury front only really Jones not quite there yes and, and Vidic obviously out for another month or more but uh, much healthier picture on the injury front. Yeah, which is great news. And D Fletch getting another 90 for the terrible Craig Levine's dismal Scottish side. They're, they're going to finish bottom of their group and then they're going to get a really tough group the next time round. It's, it's a vicious circle, this one. It's really hard to you know, get yourself up the rankings again when that happens. Absolutely. And if you lose to Wales, you know you're in trouble because this Wales side has been really on the rocks. I mean, maybe it'll be the start of something for them, but lovely to see Fletcher playing again. It's just uh, it's just so... I can't really say enough good things about Fletcher playing. And this is like mostly, let's say, at least 75% just sentiment, you know, just delighted for him. And about 25% kind of like optimism and hope and, and a sense of what a potential significance he has within the balance of United's squad and how much a fit Fletcher uh, adds to the squad. Uh, and and a lot of my kind of personal doom and gloom around United's midfield uh, and lack of investment in the midfield was all predicated on the notion that Fletch is not going to be the player he was or certainly not going to be able to make significant contributions for long periods this season. So that's that'll be that'd be absolutely lovely if it happens, although of course certainly not guaranteed. 
absolutely agree with everything you say I think it's a, it's a huge boost for United V's fit it just gives that extra bit of dimension to United we'll, we'll see whether he can be the, the kind of player he was before I mean he's been out a very long time he's got a serious illness it might be that Ferguson tries to convert him into a pure defensive midfielder and he, he has a less of a box to box range than he did in the past now, that wouldn't be a bad thing either because United need that player well, what we really need is that kind of combative edge that Fletcher gives us you know not in every game but certainly in some games and be really good if he can stay fit for the rest of the season that's that's just wonderful and, and for him you know for United and, and for him personally of course coming back to that Scotland-Wales game they were really done by an outrageous dive by Bale who just tripped himself over I mean talk about classic let's trip myself he stuck the right foot behind the leg and went flying He's a great big cheat, isn't he, old Gareth Bale? He's he's up there with uh, Luis in, in the Premier League's biggest jump jump arounders. Up there with Ashley Young and Danny Welbeck, in, in case I'm accused of uh, Man United myopia. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, Suarez is still the king. Anyone oh. who can... His little stutter against Stoke, you know, where he sort of fell in slow motion. <laughs> there were the two, two duelling gifts that, that weekend, and the one of the Suarez dive and the one of the Bale dive. And no question about it, the one of the Suarez dive is infinitely funnier. Because, you know, Bale is kind of shifting his weight out of the way of the player, somewhat anticipates getting contact and starts to go down. But he doesn't make a big deal of it. He's not, like, writhing in pain. He just flattens his arms out to try and get some... Ba- you know, he, he's moving at speed and went over but Suarez flung his legs out backwards and then looked around as if oh I'm in terrible existential crisis you know I do not know whether my life has purpose this man he has kicked me and yeah nothing doing he he needs to realize he's almost literally gonna have to get punched in the face to get a penalty this season and uh, and I assume he thinks it's not his fault either you know which uh, he clearly does because he he spends most of his time about English referees and the like. It's totally counterproductive. There's going to be a big game where Liverpool should have a penalty and Suarez is fouled and it's obvious, not one of the 50-50s that uh, Brendan Rodgers moans about on a weekly basis, but it is a really big game. It's going to cost them big time. And and rightly so. Karma's a bitch. Absolutely. And also, you know, you get the reward of good endeavour as well, which is why Paul Scholes got to come out of retirement. Yeah, so um, the the international break has not been unkind to United squad, uh, which is really nice because because we, we really need all our players to be fit and well and, and up for this because it's, it's going to be a hell of a long season. Uh, rumblings coming out of the city camp this week as uh, Yaya's talking about not being really happy there and feeling like he's maybe running out of challenge at Project City. Surely glorious news to the ear of any United fan to think that Yaya won't be there much longer. Well, I think he's just pushing for a new contract, isn't it? It's exactly the same game he played when he left Barcelona. 250 grand a week isn't enough. He obviously needs the 300 or, or whatever it is. Yeah, yeah look, when you, when you buy mercenaries, this is what you can expect. Uh, he maybe he'll find another project at Angie Makalakala or Paris Saint Germain or you know one of one of those even more super ridiculously rich clubs. So if you, if you see what PSG are paying Zlatan uh, net, it's insane. Yeah, and all you have to do to see that is uh, get capped for Iceland, and he will he apparently won't be shy about telling you. Yeah, is that exactly how much? Yeah. 
Oh, we're going to get to some Twitter questions in a moment, but before we do that, I'd like to send a special thank you to at Liz Worsley, who drew four doodles about situations when the rank cast is useful and why the international break sucks, and they're all brilliant, and they made my day, so, so thank you for that. She also suggested that the man that went up to space and jumped out of the space rocket must have been pretty bored on his two-hour ascent, and he could have passed that time listening to two, two episodes of the rank cast. I'm reliably informed that that's exactly what he did and as he was falling he was whistling now jumping out of space is a pleasant game not particularly in the rain did you did you see any of that ed bloke jumping from space yeah uh, i mean the thing is if i had to listen to you singing for two hours i'd throw myself out of a balloon as well <laughs> very good point maybe that's why he did it in the end it was me going here am i sitting in a tin can that finally made him jump oh dear it's still not the fastest human being ever anderson 8 30 in the morning when mackie d's opens beep beep <laughs> i thought you were going to say andre kanchelskis <laughs> faster than a cow with mustard on his balls yeah, that's the, 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 the never-ending Red Issue quote. Uh, do you think anyone else remembers that, or is it just me and you? And we just reintroduced it to the popular consciousness. That's the only, it's the very first thing I think of when I think of Kanchelskis. He was profiled on the Football Rambles uh, Dean Windass Hall of Fame uh, this week, and well worth a listen if you don't normally listen to the Football Ramble, uh, which is well worth a listen anyway. Very entertaining. More entertaining this week than even the Football Ramble is Duncan Jenkins versus Liverpool FC's Director of Communications Jen Chang That's got to be the story of the football season so far this one absolutely unbelievable scenes mates Duncan Jenkins all right most of you know this but we do have listeners that don't use Twitter and more power to your elbow uh, he was this character uh, sort of like uh, humorous malapropisms and he, he he was kind of slightly taking the mickey out of football bloggers but very affectionately um, and was kind of seized upon in his very earliest days of somehow discovered by the inner sanctum of the staff at MUTV and then they started tweeting about it so it kind of widened to a few United fans at ex Birch. He was kind of instrumental in helping popularise him early on and then he just went absolutely stratospheric. I remember, you know, when he had sort of like 500 followers on Twitter and me and Zach from Man United 24 and, and Sean from Beautifully Red were writing poems for him. Uh, but then it, then it all went stratospheric and he started to get this reputation as having an inside mole at Liverpool because he would get the starting lineup off a forum and post it. And, you know, it's a completely ridiculous character. And he made a few decent, intelligent guesses about transfers in the summer. And then uh, I'll let you take the story from here, Ed, as it starts to get really dark. <laughs> it really is quite weird. Well, Jen Chang, the former Sports Illustrated reporter, American, uh, hired by Fenway Sports, to be Liverpool's new director of communications apparently got the job by writing a dossier on the Suarez Evra case and how Liverpool got their PR wrong and sent that in and it kind of sealed the deal from him I've had a few run-ins with him myself one particular weird one when he was very 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 bullish to the point of being really offensive uh, about the merits of Phil Jones versus Chris Smalling See, seems kind of random but you know anyway we had a little set to so he's taken this Duncan Jenkins character to heart and uh, he's absolutely convinced convinced that Jenkins has got a mole and getting secret information not only is Jenkins getting the team news out there but he actually cost Liverpool 300,000 pounds extra on the transfer fee for Fabio Barini because Jenkins has put it out there and Roma know that uh, Liverpool uh, have broken their confidence uh, uh, you know apparently that Liverpool promised about this transfer deal so Chang is he's determined to eke out the mole in the Liverpool 
ample dressing room or hierarchy. He sets up this lunch at Evuna, which is, you know, I don't know if you've been, but it's a little tapas place in the centre of Manchester, and, and proceeds to threaten Jenkins, or also known as Sean Cummins, uh, over this dinner, saying that uh, football fans are crazy, and if you don't stop this, uh, fans will be putting shit through your letterbox, and uh, and apparently threatened to take away his season ticket, and went on this rant about it, determined to flush out them all. And of course, Jenkins, uh, aka Cummins, said, "I have no mole. I make it all up. It's just <laughs> a joke in it." <laughs> It's extraordinary to me that Liverpool's, like, director of communication brought in to firefight the terrible PR situation at Liverpool has managed to become a joke about a joke. You know, to take that seriously. The whole thing was predicated on a joke about false nines. You know, it's it's just, it's extraordinary stuff. And also, you know, I mean, for a start, we have to say, at the moment, it seems to be one man's word against another because Jen Chang has come out and basically decried this as a complete work of fantasy. I, I personally, my inclination is that every single word of that is true. I don't know, I don't know why. It just read like the truth to me. There was something about well, it. Well, and there's, there's a bit, the CCTV picture of them in the restaurant it looks you know it kind of looks like Chang in the in the CCTV and there's the email trail so yeah I pro- I'm probably leaning on the side of this is true rather than not because uh, I'm not quite sure why Sean Cummins would want to out himself because he's he's getting an awful lot of abuse from Liverpool fans at the moment well yeah and you know he's a Liverpool fan himself and and the kind of most seriously damning thing in this for Chang is that he didn't say football fans are crazy he said football fans especially Liverpool fans and I really hate getting into tribal I really do because I think United fans do plenty wrong and there's plenty of idiots who support United but Liverpool do have a particular kind of hardcore of religious fanaticists amongst their their kind of supporters in a way that Chelsea have got that hardcore of old school cockney racist cab driver types you know those kind of pockets of, of old fandom that still exist within clubs and Liverpool's is pretty crazy but for the their own director of communications to be saying it, it's a PR mess up on the lines of I don't know sticking a bunch of cameras in the face of your brand new manager and putting him on the television looking like David Brent or something <laughs> well yes uh, and I, I think Chang's days might be numbered because uh, if he's going on full on denial then uh, I'm not sure he's got the credibility to do it yet you know I don't think he's built up that reputation in the country I, I yeah, I, I'm giving him not very long before he goes. Especially if this is his style, he's going to create some enemies and, and uh, he won't get what he wants out of the media community, you know. So there we go. But it, it was hilarious, uh, I have to say. There is a little bit of tribalism in there or maybe a little bit of schadenfreude uh, about just how much of a cock-up um, Chang has seemingly made about this one, especially after he, he wrote the dossier to get the job. And that's the thing, because, like, surely this is exactly the sort of nonsense he was saying Liverpool shouldn't be doing you know don't just deny everything you know be more open about it take more responsibility but no and and just the idea that um, a man with comedy bad hair who says onions instead of opinions and tic tacs instead of tactics a real nine in a world of false nines um, can cost Liverpool £300,000 and also that totally justifies all the United fans early kind of uh, celebration of Duncan Jenkins and promotion of him because we knew in the end 
and it would cost Liverpool money. So that's a happy turn of events. It, it kind of follows on from some others as well. When when football agent forty nine outed himself and said, "Yeah, <laughs> not that anyone who had any kind of sense ever thought he was real, but you know, some people did." Unfortunately, outed himself in a blog post and said, "This was a fake all along. I've had a great laugh. I've got twenty thousand followers, and and here's the list of uh, you know proper journalists who have copied my completely made up tweets and put it in the paper as real transfer gossip. You know, gold, absolute gold." Uh, there was another one as well, wasn't there, that was quoted on ITV Sports. <laughs> Just like, they literally, uh, as he says, the other one, uh, one of the two of them that came out said, did you not notice that I was never right? You know, amazing. Uh, it just shows the kind of gullibility of people on the internet. Having said that, I've just kind of suggested that I m- believe a random comedian on the internet over Liverpool's director of communications, which says something about credibility somewhere. Talking of complete lack of credibility, let's take some Twitter questions from our lovely listeners. Absolutely. I, I like this one uh, from at I Think United. Uh, he says, do you think the clock should go forward two hours in spring in order to enjoy lighter nighttime games? Actually, no, I'm not. I'm not with you on that one because I quite like the atmosphere of a floodlit game. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe we should too. have floodlit games all the time. Maybe the clock should go back so it's really night when it's day. Yeah, and actually, uh, maybe the clocks should just stay where they are. Just leave the clocks alone, man. Time, man. Stop messing with time. Yeah. Well, if you're a farmer in Scotland, you wouldn't say that. Yeah, God. No, I wouldn't. If I was a farmer in Scotland, I would say, oh, the national team's not looking too good at the moment. Why does he keep picking Kenny Miller? Very good question. Can't answer that one. A question from Marisol Arkum. Do you think that country pleasure... uh... (laughs) Oh, yeah. (laughs) Country pleasure. (laughs) 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 Wow. Outrageous. Do you think that country pressure could make Hernandez want to leave United? Um, I don't know about just national team pressure, but surely he wants to play. Right, and, and uh, rumours doing the rounds again this week that Real Madrid are interested. And in fact, another bizarre story that Arsenal are interested. You know, who knows? I mean, he, he would be the fox in the box that Wenger promised to get all those years ago. Look, he's a young player. Uh, but yeah, he he's gone backwards in terms of his career at United over over the last season and a third. So uh, it wouldn't be surprising if he did want to make a move. I, I, I'm not sure he's the type of personality to really make an effort. But if United did want to cash in, he, his his star is still high enough that they'll get a very good fee for him. Can't can't see it just yet. But if it continued for another year or so, then then that might be an issue. I mean, you know, if I was him and Real Madrid was saying, "Hey, come and play for us, kid. We'll pick you." I would have to give it some serious thought yeah there's no guaranteed getting that side though you know Benzema and Ronaldo and Higuain they've, they've got Ozil and, and Di Maria and shall we just keep going on they've got plenty of attacking talent yeah they have but so have we you know it's, it's, it's a very difficult position for him because because as, as Ferguson sort of said the other day you know he's the one player in the side that's a one position player all the rest of them can can serve various roles but he is you know STR the, the, the man is a, a centre forward and, and he's a poacher at that you know I tell you what's a real shame is that Javier Hernandez in real life is not going to turn into Javier Hernandez in 2017 in my football manager save when he's just scored 45 goals in a season so I I don't think that's going to happen unfortunately 
he might do if he got 50 games in a season, but that's not likely to happen anytime soon, not with Van Persie and Rooney and, uh, doing so well and, and obviously Welbeck providing backup and competition. Talking of uh, buying and selling players, question from at Denton MUFC19 saying, with rumours about Vida's future floating about, would you sell him and what would be your minimum sale price? I have to say, if Angie Maklalka really did want him for £32 million, I think we'd have to say, assuming that money's being invested back in the playing squad, that's an extremely wide financial decision although it'd be very sad to see him go but nobody's really going to spend 30 million pounds on Vidic are they what, what club was that again Paul <laughs> it was Angie Makalakalaka Makalakalakalaka yeah seriously if anyone did offer 30 million for a 30 year old who's just had two extremely serious knee injuries you'd you'd bite their arms hands and anything else else off wouldn't you say so, uh, I, I can't see it myself um, although there is, there is a big question uh, about whether Vidic can become the same player he was it, such a serious knee injury that his mobility his ability to turn his speed might all be affected and and he clearly wasn't quite right at the beginning of this season he obviously needs games so you know who knows he's not going to get many before Christmas now I can't see uh, any scenario in which United would sell him during the the middle of the season but end of the season that's a turn 31 huge offer then maybe I mean you have to combine that with the situation with Rio as well because the the two of them are such a package Um, and if Rio really is running out his contract and it's going to leave in the summer you, you, you'd you think losing them both would be just such a blow to the experience of the team and it would leave us really short central defence right but but there is the question about given uh, if if Vidic has lost a little bit of pace because of his injury you'd probably say they can't play together anymore now it's it's all ifs and buts isn't it but, but you can't have two players who both want to be the one that drops off rather than the one that attacks the ball and that, that would be a problem they'd have to change that up uh, as a pair and and then that, that changes the equation again yeah no absolutely but you know I mean the long and the short of it is I think if the money's right you sell him depending on if he comes back the second half of the season the best of the Manja Vidic then there's no amount of money that you sell him for unless you know that you've got the world class centre half replacement five years younger than him lined up for slightly less money in which case you've got to do it haven't you because in spite of the fact that I basically think football should basically be run in entirely on sentimental grounds that's not actually what happens we can't just no. bring back Lee Sharp much as I'd like that to happen well they were the glory days <laughs> weren't they like, Sharp and Co uh, I've got some good stories about his brother but I, I, not for a family audience let's just say that was not as sophisticated as a jazz nightclub in Rio de Janeiro eh? Uh, no no at Redman Cunha asks a question which I find really interesting, which is, do you think that Rooney should become Man United's next permanent captain? I'm not sure about that one. I, I did write a piece for United about two years ago, maybe a little bit more, saying, why not give it to Rooney? Uh, that was before he started sleeping with hookers and uh, everybody else and demanding transfers and stuff like that. It would be an awful lot of forgiveness. I don't know that he's really deserved it. He's earned it or any of that. Uh, so uh, probably not. I'd probably pick Darren Fletcher first if he was fit. And and if not, maybe, you know, maybe give it to Chris Smalling or, or Phil Jones. He's got leadership qualities. Yeah, I mean, the, 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 the thing about it for me is, like, it's less to do with the fact that he tried to leave or whether because he just genuinely seemed to have some contrition about that and I think you can write that off in there is an interpretation of that where it's just like bad advice being followed somebody trying to get as much money as they can out of their last 
chance to do that and all that kind of malarkey. But I'm just not convinced he's the right sort of person to be uh, the captain because his it's never se- I have never seen Wayne Rooney inspire his teammates. That's never been my vision of what he does on the pitch. You know, he's he's quite a self-centered player. There's all the flappy arms and all that sort of thing. There's the whole thing of him being 18 and turning up from injury, joining up with the England camp and saying the big man's here and all. Oh, he's just a kid at the time, but whatever. And I, I'm just not sure that kind of ego-driven player is the kind of player you want as captain. Don't you want a, a, a Ryan Giggs figure who's like, like you know, it's all about the team and the team ethic and, and whoever's going to be Fergie's mouthpiece on the pitch sort of thing. And I guess we're moving into a new era for Man United because Fergie's not going to be there and all that sort of thing. So True. It all depends on what's happening with Vidic. But here I'll throw one out. Here's an idea of who could be an appropriate figurehead for United. Robin Van Rapist. I mean, Van Persie. Harsh. Uh, he was acquitted, right? Just to be... He was never judged. Oh, there you go. It's just... Yeah. Anyway. Johnny Evans? No. Maybe. Captain's Northern Ireland. There you go. There's, there's, a, there's a few. Look, we, we should probably actually talk football, shouldn't we? Because United have a game at the weekend on a Saturday at three o'clock at Old Trafford. That's, that's where the football stops because Stoke are in town. Just to lead us into a football a football discussion from a Twitter question, at JH1993 underscore MUFC. Do you think that De Gea will get a run of games now after Fergie said he was pleased with him after the Newcastle game? Very interesting because he didn't look totally solid against Newcastle. Definitely a couple of shakes of the nerve. But Fergie chose not to stick the boot in and actually said he was pleased with De Gea. So will he face that greatest of all physical tests that is Stoke-on-Trent? <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think he will. Fun, funnily enough, uh, Joe Hart made a been a pretty huge mistake for England, didn't he? So I wonder if he'll be dropped by City. Ah, uh, nope, I don't think so. Yeah, but he's a big man, and he? he's big enough to come out and admit his mistakes. So you know, what I mean, he's a big. He's England's brave lion. He's a new JH. He's a new JT. You know what I'm saying? saying he's racist well it's a pretty pretty stiff accusation <laughs> there Bob maybe I, I have no knowledge of that one way or another I, I would love to see De Gea play against Stoke because I think it sort of puts to bed the myth that he's you know I mean he's definitely a bit vulnerable on crosses but it's not because he's like physically weak or certainly not because he's got any cowardice in him and uh, you know he'd be able to outfox the fox in the box that is Michael Owen uh, Owen's not going to play is he he's he'll be on the bench at best <laughs> he's just, just the other bench at United He's coming home, he's coming home, he's coming, Mikey's coming home. I love the, love the story that actually surfaced in the summer, you know, but uh, reappeared this week, I suppose, with uh, Stoke coming to Old Trafford, that he, he pretty much begged Liverpool to take him this summer and, uh, and Rodgers told him where to do one and he's uh, he's a horse trainer first and a bench warmer second uh, Owen he's he's just earning enough money to pay for his stables and, until he can't credibly do so anymore as for Stoke they still play terrible football they've still got a terrible set of fans they'll still present a real challenge to United it'll be interesting to see what kind of setup there is from United will we see a winger we've actually got some fit so it'll be interesting to see whether we get any wingers back it, it would probably make sense it's not as if Stoke play with loads of width so uh, maybe United should we're, we're going to have a, a bench chocked full of players I think I mean there's probably more players that can actually get in the matchday squad yeah no absolutely um, you know 
everyone thinks of Stoke as a tough opposition and, and they certainly have been uh, at the Britannia but every season that they've been in the Premier League we've completely destroyed them at Old Trafford Danny Welbeck's debut of course that complete wonder strike where we beat them 5-0 you know can't see beyond the United win in this one but then I couldn't see United winning the last one so I can only apologise for that to all the people listening no Duncan Jenkins are you <laughs> no I'm not he'd have got the score right <laughs> he, I, I, he would superb uh, yeah you're right can't see beyond a uh, United winning this one I, I think there's there's some momentum I know I know the international break has got in the way but everyone's fit pretty good results for United players quite a few of them played a few of them scored so it looks like there's a full squad Fergie's just got to get the right team for this particular match and I'm sure United will go out there and win comfortably and, and in fact I'm even going to predict a comfortable 3-0 win and then you know he's got to have in the back of his mind the fact that on the Tuesday night we are at home again against Sporting Braga so you know all those players will get a chance to play and he can I think out of those two games you'd err on the side especially the way that the the group stage is going so far versus the Premier League you'd err on the side of playing your most full strength side against Stoke wouldn't you well, yes, and, and I think he'll probably rotate for the European game, which, you know, he, he hasn't gone mental like last season, but he's definitely made a few changes. I mean, made quite a few changes in Cluj, didn't he? And, and Braga are a good side, you know, if you've seen anything of them. They, they've got some good players, did really, really well in the Portuguese league in the UEFA Cup last season. There will be a test, but at Old Trafford, United are going to be stronger than them. I mean, it just, just depends how much. Of course, you know, they've got uh, Europe's best keeper in Quim. Outrageous! They've got another keeper called Cristiano on in their squad. I think he's just trying to like, uh-huh, oh, it's him, really. I am him. That's what he was trying to do when he was little, but then he ended up being a goalkeeper, so it didn't quite work. Currently third in the Portuguese league, doing all right, aren't they? It's it's, it's difficult to crack the Portuguese league, but because pretty dominated and and they they haven't they haven't exactly lit it up, but they they've done all right and qualified themselves for the Champions League, which is which is big, obviously. But you know they're definitely not as good as us. They've got Hugo Viana in their playing squad. Is that the Hugo Viana. The Hugo Viana. The the left foot. Newcastle United Hall of Famer Hugo Viana. So come on, predictions this week. How are United going to do at home to Stoke and at home to Braga? Uh, home to Stoke. Well, I definitely think a comfortable win. You said 3-0, right? I did. So that means I, I, that's kind of what I think. But I, I'll just go with 4-0 and an extra little last minute goal from someone. Own goal from Michael Owen off the bench. Oh dear, <laughs> that would be a turn up. That really would be a turn up, wouldn't it? Got an own goal from Michael Owen. I don't think he'll get anywhere near the goal, even his own. And then uh, the Braga game. I don't know. I, I, I'm I'm too ill-informed about Portuguese football to make an accurate prediction for this game. But you know, I'm going to go with two nil to United. I, I'm going to go wild, and I'm going to say three nil. Six goals in a week, none against. There you go. Confidence for you. How many other How many of those is Robin van Persie going to score? He's going to get eight. <laughs> Eight of United, six goals from oh, Robin Van Persie. Just like to point out as well, it was Andy Cole's birthday this week. Happy birthday, Andy Cole. Fine player he was. Wow, he's got a lot of goals. The consequence of it being uh, Andy Cole's birthday this week was me walking around singing the Andy Cole song to myself all day. Andy Cole, Andy Cole, Andy, Andy Cole. He gets a ball, he scores a goal. Andy, Andy Cole. If you're ever, you know, a bit down... You're da- on commission, aren't you? If you're ever a bit down... In For the, the singing. If you're ever a bit down in the dumps, you know, just uh, just, just sing that to yourself. Guaranteed cheery uppy. Yeah, the, the singing is entirely dedicated to at bifurcated MUFC who asked for a special double amount of of singing uh, in this week's cast due to the international break so there you go back to normal service of not hardly any whatsoever next week
Before I get into my balloon and take myself up to the stratosphere to chuck myself out. And talking of next week, if you want to get hold of us between now and then, you can do so on Twitter, at United... Talking of next week, talking of hot air, you mean? <laughs> yes, talking of hot air, if you want to get at us uh, between this week and next week, uh, you can do so at United Rant for Ed on Twitter, at UTD Rantcast for me. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash United Rant, or you can drop us an email, like if it was the early 2000s, at cast at unitedrant.co.uk. You can leave a comment on the show page at unitedrant.co.uk. You can leave a review on iTunes. And if you really want to, you can go to unitedrant.co.uk slash donate and give us some money. If you do all of those things, or let's say, you know, all bar the last one, uh, you win some sort of special high five virtually over the internet. So the challenge this week is to uh, tweet at us, say something on the Facebook page, post a comment on the show page and write a review on iTunes. Not too much to ask, is it, for your one hour a week of entertainment barring international breaks? Onion. Onion. See you next week, Ed. See you then.